This podcast is brought to you by Songfinch. Songfinch will create an original song for you based off your memories, experiences, and feelings that you can share as a unique gift for someone else. In just one week, a professional songwriter produces a -a one-of-a-kind radio-quality song that gives voice to the story you want to tell. And this is good news because Christmas is right around the corner. So if you're looking for a special gift to get for someone you love, Songfinch is the way to go. The process is very easy. You decide who you're creating it for, what the occasion is, and the desired reaction. You give them your memories. You select a mood for the song, including a genre. You can pick from singer-songwriter, pop, country, rap, hip-hop, and also if you want a male or female vocalist. The website is amazing. While you're going through these processes, it's actually fun to do. You feel like you're really a part of making this music. And they lead you through it in a seamless fashion where you never feel like you're making the wrong decision. Yeah, the website's very easy to navigate. It makes it all so simple for you. And it looks beautiful once it's produced. You get your own homepage on the website where you can listen to the song, read the lyrics, and even learn more about the songwriter who created it. But they still have those little touches. They'll mail you a greeting card with the unique URL printed on the inside so you can give it as a gift to someone. Listen, Christmas is around the corner and it's getting harder and harder to figure out what to buy your loved ones. We all have those problems. Either someone has everything or someone hates everything and you have no idea what to get them. This is a guaranteed present that they've never received before. I've gotten Christina this year so far a coupon book. And I'm telling you, those coupons favor me more than they favor her. Well, and I hate when you get something online and then you don't have anything to give that person. You're printing off a receipt from the website. It's not exciting. This comes in a nice little box with a beautiful looking card that has that URL printed on it, but you still don't really know what it's about. So it's exciting to go to the website and look it up. And if the song isn't more than you expected, which I can pretty much guarantee it will be, you can feel free to reach out to them and they will make it right. Songfinch has been featured on USA Today, Forbes, CBS, and more. If you like what you're hearing, but you really want to experience what we're talking about, go to songfinch.com. They have plenty of real-world examples that they've already delivered to other families. Here's another idea for you. Request a holiday-type song. And right there, you're all set with your present. Like we said, you can check it out for yourself by going to their website, songfinch.com. And you can use the promotional code CLATCHERS to get $20 off your first song. That's CLATCHERS, K-L-A-T-C-H-E-R-S. For $20 off your first song. Songfinch.com, promo code Clatchers. Hello, friend. Hello, friend. That's lame. Maybe I should give you a name. Maybe I should give you a name. What I'm about to tell you is top secret. The Coffee Clatch Podcast. Welcome to the Coffee Clatch Crew, Mr. Robot Episode Review. I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomangino. And today we are reviewing Episode 3.8, Stage 3, Dot Torrent. Elliot trolls a former ally. Mr. Robot leaves a cryptic text. And Tyrell gets new commands. IMDb gave this a 9.3. And looking through the blogs on the interwebs, I noticed that a lot of blogs didn't really appreciate this episode. And I couldn't disagree more. 
Well, the articles I read had mixed feelings. They said some parts were working for them and some parts weren't, which I kind of agreed with. The clunky areas they thought were the Dom and Darlene scenes, leaving us with questions such as, would Dom really fall for this? And would Darlene make these mistakes and then essentially decide to give up all the information to the FBI? Yeah, from the outside, I had the same questions. But the more I thought about it, I think Darlene and Elliot and Mr. Robot wanted to get Darlene caught. This might be the first stages to getting the FBI in trouble. If you recall, when Mr. Robot was talking to Tyrell at the end of the episode, and Tyrell told Mr. Robot about the FBI is behind this. I mean, in the beginning of the episode... Mr. Robot wrote for Elliot, the Dark Army owns the FBI. This could be step one to outing Agent Santiago. I agree with you on that, and I think it could be part of Darlene's plan. She's gone all season without giving up any information more than necessary to the FBI. So I don't think she folded under the pressure. I do think they've been having trouble dealing with her character, figuring out when to place her into episodes, how to manage that, how much time to give it. And the scenes between her and Dom just didn't exactly flow quite right. And we will get into what we thought about Dom and if she was falling for this, why that could be. There were also some areas that were just a little confusing. The past couple of episodes, we haven't gotten much screen time with Angela And we have questioned, are we losing her character a bit? Is she sliding into madness? Or is there more to it underneath that? And I think we just don't know enough to tell yet. Well, last episode, I was having some hope for her. But the end of this episode, with her walking around with a shopping cart and most of her possessions in there, looking like she was homeless, Mm -hmm. it's got me questioning some things. Yeah, as well as who was she talking to? And again, we'll come back around to that. I think her performance is great. She's acting it really well. It's another question of timing and pacing for me, as it often is with Mr. Robot. The things that get dragged out a little longer or strung along, is the end result going to be a big enough payoff? But the areas that were good that I thought really were working was the Mr. Robot and Elliot starting to come back onto the same page and work together again, which is what we always knew they had to do if they wanted to revive their revolution. Yeah, this goes back to what my dream is, which is the 90s high five frozen frame. Yeah, I didn't know how they would make such a turnaround in the relationship that quickly, but I think they are doing a really good job of that this season. They also had Mr. Robot showing Tyrell the futility of all of this and doing a turnaround sort of of his own, where Elliot brought him to see they have to think about this whole thing different. And along those same lines, they brought Elliot back into hero mode, which is what we really wanted to see. We said the past couple of episodes were feeling a little depressing. Our protagonists were losing. And Vulture phrased it really well in their article. They said Elliot was in hero mode throughout, imbued with the determination that emerged at the end of last week's dark night of the soul. While such optimism was an abrupt switch from the suicidal depression, it was also a logical response from a man who spent this season in search of purpose and afraid that his lack of it has been fueling Mr. Robot's misadventures. I couldn't agree more. There were some specifics about the hack that... I'm not quite following, and that just could be because I don't understand, so hopefully we can break that down better. And I think one of my big questions leads us into the origin of the title, which is stage three. And at some point in the episode, Elliot turns to us to say, there is no stage three. And of course, we know that's because his big idea is to return things to the way they were, 
to undo the hack and get back the data for E Corp. My question for you is, does that mean he just wants things to go back to the way they were? Does he realize this is worse or does he have a plan for what they would do after that? No, I don't think he has a plan. Right now, he's just trying to fix things. He's on fixed mode. This reminds me of our pre-episode before the season started, and we went through the titles. And when we hit this one, and it said stage three, we had no idea the ending of stage two. We, you know, we had no idea what was going to happen. And my thoughts about what could stage three be at this point, I had no clue that it would be a ruse. And so yet again, do you find that anticlimactic? that there really is no big stage three. It's just trying to undo all the damage, as Elliot puts it, the first step in rebuilding. No, not at all, because the undoing is the next very difficult task that he has. Yeah, and I think that could make exciting fodder for the season finale. The very tricky business he's gotten himself into going up against the Dark Army, having to hack the FBI, as well as Mr. Robot's feelings on how to effectively inspire an agenda and lead a revolution. They're a cause with no followers right now, as Mr. Price tells him. I personally enjoyed this episode. I thought that it was a great setup for the season finale. They needed to put all the pieces together. They needed to give us an agenda for each character. And (laughs) I'm hoping, but this isn't Mr. Robot-like, that we are left this season with some good feelings as though our hero or anti-hero, whatever you want to call him, is winning or could possibly be winning. Yeah, and they are putting the pieces on the table for that. And I agree, we have to feel that sense of hope and inspiration for him if we're going to be able to hang with it into season three. Question, do you think Price is going to be on our side? At first, I thought so. When he came into Tyrell's house, I was like, oh yeah, here we go. We're going to get a new team together. But then the way he was speaking to Tyrell, Price is still in his own playing field. And... I don't think he's going to be part of a team, but maybe he might need to be eventually. I was kind of hoping the same thing. And you know, I was getting on board the price train a few episodes ago, but this felt a lot like a kick the dog type of response. White Rose slapped Price's hand, put him in his place and took away his personal agency and power. And so he went to shit on the man that apparently he's been doing that for a long time, as we'll see in the flashback scene to the beginnings of the relationship between E-Corp and Allsafe. He tries to pretend like he was in on this the whole time. This was part of their plan to play the catastrophe for the sake of capitalism. And he is electing Tyrell as the new CTO figurehead. The same way White Rose did to Price. I think this just makes him feel empowered again to go and bite the head off a little fish because he doesn't know what else to do. I disagree. I think there's a lot more to it. Price is smarter than that. There's an end game to him putting Tyrell in the face of the company as far as the public is concerned. And it's more than just to kick someone to make himself feel better. I think he's making his first moves to get back at the Dark Army. If that was his plan, do you really think he trusts Tyrell even in so much as a pawn to move around the way he wants. I get the feeling he's never had any respect for Tyrell or his use at all. Now, maybe if he sees that Mr. Robot is in on it, he does have some feeling that he could be useful to him. But I'm not quite sure yet. I think I would need to see more. Well, Tyrell right now, as far as the news is concerned, is an exonerated man who has been wrongly accused. And he is the victim, right? So having Mr. Robot or Elliot, on Price's side in the background and having this figurehead that the population already knows and kind of trusts 
as far as like he was innocent. He's not the right. He's not the bad guy. He could use them as pawns to keep Ecoin in the good sight of the people. So just for public image, you're saying. Yeah, and he can do things in the background while manipulating the public with Tyrell as the public image. Yeah, I'm, I'm just not sure if I'm giving him enough credit for that yet. I do understand that he's smart, but this also feels very reactionary to me. So I'm leaving that open. One more thing to tell you. The one scene where we finally got to see White Rose as White Rose, we see that she's having trouble getting into the Congo. And we'll get into the reasons why. But one of those reasons, I think, is due to price. In what way? I think Price is moving things around to make it almost impossible for White Rose to continue her stages within this whole thing. Well, that would make sense as his revenge because it's very transparent. That's all White Rose cares about. That's all she's wanted this whole time. And the one thing he said is you're not going to mess with moving my operation to the Congo. I do find it interesting. We've been talking all season long, the fact that we've only seen B.D. Wong in the form of Minister Zhang. This is the first time we get White Rose in quite a while, and it is quite a shift. We've been seeing B.D. in this position of power all season three. He is always on top. It felt like there was no defeating him. He has his own game going and a million chips on the board. But for the first time today, we're starting to see a couple of cracks in that. The plan, the timeline is not going the way White Rose wants. She's even getting a little emotional about it. I'm wondering if the way she responds to situations when she's in each persona is different. And if that could expose some weakness for Elliot to take advantage of down the line. Are you stating that when she's a woman, she's a lot more emotional? (laughs) No. In fact, up until now, I would have said the opposite. White Rose seems to be so strict and... So following a timeline, last season, we even thought she might have an idealistic vision, some great purpose of why she was doing all of this. Whereas for Zhang, it's just about power and control. But as we've commented on, we kind of got some of those theories smashed down recently. Is there really something bigger she's working on? I always point to Angela as the hope that maybe there is. But with her so crazy right now, I don't know if we can rely on any of that. But let's slow it all down for a second and finish out with our stats. In addition to the title, we also got the extension .torrent. This is a file sent via the BitTorrent protocol. It can be just about any type of file, a movie, song, game, application. But during the transmission, the file is incomplete. Torrents are different from regular downloads in that they are usually downloaded from more than one server at a time. That's right. So back in the day, you would go to a website and you wanted to download a movie. And you'd be downloading it from like 30 different people and different segments of the movie to your computer to make one file. And those are BitTorrents. And this reminds me of what's going on right now. It's a new trend that's starting. And I think it's the future of online ads. Because we all know we ignore those boxes on the corner of every website that has an ad. We've learned to not even look at them. I couldn't tell you the last one that I read. So what they're doing now is running things in the background that you're unaware of. So let's talk about Mr. Robot. And right now, the hot topic in real life is Bitcoin. And we've talked about in the past how you have to mine to get bits, right? So instead of having ads on your website, you can put this app on the back end of your website. And I'm not going to say the name of the app. I actually think it's really wrong. And I would never do this with any of my websites. But essentially, in the background with some JavaScript, and you can hide it, it will utilize your computer CPU while you're on that website 
to mine for Bitcoin. So let's say you have a website that has 50,000 users a day. That's 50,000 users worth of CPU. Working for you. Working for you. If you recall in the last episodes, we talked about how it's even harder to mine for coins right now. You need bigger, stronger CPUs, more power to get those mines because the algorithm gets harder and harder as more and more people are using Bitcoins. So in the back end of any website, instead of having ads, you're getting paid by this company to utilize your user's CPU to mine it. I have a coworker of mine who was on a website watching a movie, probably not the best website, (laughs) and he noticed that his computer was dragging. So he turned on this app on his computer that says that shows you where the CPU is being used, Mm -hmm. and it was cranked. Everything was up, redlined. This stupid guy, whoever made this website, his JavaScript, he maxed it out to try to get as much money, but instead of getting more money, all he's doing is letting his users know that... Something is going on. Yeah, because he's using too much of the CPU. My friend turned off that website. CPU went way down. Then to test, he went back to that website, right back up. So that's the future of it. Now, the reason why I bring this up when you're talking about torrents is the same concept as far as utilizing multiple users to get one goal completed. So how do you think that applies here in this episode? Because not knowing anything about what that extension actually means, I had a much different thought when I first saw it. Well, tell me what your thought was. I thought it had to do with how Elliot was trying to infiltrate the Dark Army. And he knew when he brought his device to the lieutenant that they were going to try to scan it, get information off it. And thus, he hid a file on there or an item of a file, figuring they were going to just take everything that right along with it. And later, when he tells us that the Dark Army copied everything, then it will be queued up for their operator to review the content. So once opened, his exploit is in and it gives him access to the management interface. So I thought this was all part of his plan, and maybe that's the type of file that he embedded in there for them to upload. That was just me following a logical train of thought, knowing nothing about the tech. Mm. So um, if not, how does that apply here? Well, I'll give you my uneducated answer to that, because I haven't taken the time to really think about that question. But offhand, I'd say we're seeing a lot of our characters, even characters that are supposed to be the bad guys, Price, who are making moves to take down the Dark Army as opposed to E-Corp. And a lot of people are making their own separate moves that don't necessarily correlate with each other. So maybe it's the different users all working together, doing their own thing to get to one machine. Okay, so it's a metaphor for kind of what we talk about later with that lone wolf theory and Mr. Robot not inspiring an agenda where maybe this could be it. The Dark Army has so many operatives, so many extensions, and some of them are losing faith, as the lieutenant says, and that could come back to bite them in the ass. One other fun fact while we're talking about tech and the details of this episode, we also heard about Sentinel, and I know we're going to go more into that later, but just to define what that is, it's a software case management system developed by the FBI with the aim to replace digital and paper processes with purely digital workflows during investigations. It enables FBI employees to create case documents and submit them through an electronic process instead of having everything on paper. So we will find out later on that Mr. Robot went and investigated all of this, found out about Sentinel. Somehow this led him to the realization that the Dark Army owned the FBI. 
I don't entirely know how those pieces fit together or what information they found that's going to allow them to break in, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. to Sentinel, but we'll get there. We also had a couple of music notes. We heard Curry Chicken by Joey Badass himself, which played as Darlene talked to Dom at the bar before heading to the bathroom. An Angel from Montgomery by John Prine, which Dom has Alexa play while at the apartment with Darlene. All right, Jason, are you ready to get into our synopsis? Let's do it. We start out with a flashback where Gideon Goddard is pitching all safe to Price, Tyrell, and Terry Colby at E-Corp. When Angela comes in to bring papers, Colby insults her, and we get this look between Angela and Price, fueling further speculation as to what is the relationship between them. It seemed he already knew her from the moment she walked in there. Yeah, we were speculating what it could be for a while now. And once we saw the flashback a few episodes ago, when we learned that someone was helping Angela's mother with money for the cancer treatments, I was thinking maybe that was secretly her father or something. But now it seems like it's more that Price was aware of the plan a long time ago in regards to Angela and Elliot. Yeah, I never liked the idea of a parental figure just because there was some weird romantic slash sexual tension between them last season. But definitely I think it makes more sense if she was part of a plan. Perhaps that's what she was doing there in the first place. And this could all have to do with why Price hired Allsafe. We see that was a weird interaction after the meeting. They're all kind of treating the company as a joke until Price says, no, they're going with them. They're going to hire them. And Tyrell even offers to put together an internal security team, but Price shuts him down hard. Did you notice that the opening music was very light? It was almost happy. And of course, that was purposefully put in there because it invoked that feeling to us. Like, oh my God, this is before everything went down. This is before everything went to shit. Yeah, it was weird to see Gideon and Colby back on screen, right? Yeah, especially with Gideon looking happy, looking like the Gideon we used to know. And Tyrell, low man on the totem pole, trying to scheme his way up the ladder of E-Corp. Yeah, but it didn't even seem like scheming. He was actually right. Oh, yeah, but just always looking for an angle to advance, and Price really has no time for him. And I like this switch. The next scene goes right to present time, where the FBI warns Tyrell to alert the Bureau if he plans to leave the city. You see such a different character. So much has transpired with Tyrell since then. And this ends with them dropping him at home, where he breaks down at the sight of his empty house. I would, too. That empty nest, it's, it's very sad. It's real now for him. He's lost his child. Is he going to get his child back now that he's been deemed innocent? I don't think it really had anything to do with that to begin with. It was the Dark Army yet again playing him to do what they wanted. And as Mr. Robot will tell him later, he's still a pawn. They still have more things for him to do. Of course. But he could get his child back legally. Uh, If they own the FBI, maybe not. You know, maybe this is the way they keep stringing him along without Joanna. What else do they have left to hang over him? I see. And of course, now we're back in the present time and the music is back to being ominous and dark. Yeah, we go from that to Elliot's apartment where Mr. Robot takes over to write on the mirror as he feels the switch coming. They own the FBI. And when Elliot takes back over, he assumes they must be the Dark Army, realizes he left his computer unlocked, and wonders if Mr. Robot saw the email from Trent, which we have to assume that he did, right? Of course. He also reads an article about Tyrell's release from custody, and that fleshes out the background of what's going on with him more. It says, from hunted to hero, cleared of all charges. Now, we've discussed this years ago, but as a refresher, 
Can you explain to me why these personalities don't remember what the same human went through? When dissociative identities are formed, it's due to usually some kind of traumatic incident, something that the person doesn't have the ability to cope with mentally. If they did fully absorb those experiences, it would break them. So as a last resort to keep that from happening, the brain starts to compartmentalize and split off these selves. So one piece can carry this, one piece can carry something else that they've been through. And usually the other personalities it creates are more equipped to deal with stuff like that. So if he needed to create Mr. Robot, who is stronger, more capable of dealing with situations like that, the whole point is for Mr. Robot to shoulder that weight. If Elliot were to remember and to feel those things, there wouldn't be a use of having a Mr. Robot. Oh, I see. So this is the opening scene as far as storyline goes. We start with this message from Mr. Robot. And throughout the episode, we're getting views of what happened the night before with Mr. Robot. And we're getting what Elliot's doing about it. And we don't really come to figure out what exactly the meaning behind this message is until the end. So it was all these puzzle pieces that slowly were put together, but in different orders. Did you enjoy that? I somewhat do. I think they're doing a lot of this in order to try to create more dramatic tension and string out sometimes conclusions that aren't as interesting. If you were just to get them, the storyline itself isn't as impactful. So at times they do feel like just a mechanism to get it to be more interesting. Now I understand with an episode nine, you have to do setup right? It can't be a dramatic plot line. So there has to be ways to keep you engaged. But I just wonder if they fall back a little too much on things like that at times. Conversely, I actually enjoyed it. It put me on a journey throughout the episode. And it was more intriguing. It was more interesting as far as the Tyrell Mr. Robot scene. I think if that was all laid out in the beginning, it would have been a lot more boring for me. That scene perhaps, but the whole Elliot, Mr. Robot at odds thing, I thought we were starting to come back together on that. And it feels like they had to force that to continue a little bit here because they couldn't be on the same page. Oh, so you don't think they're on the same page now? I thought they're working together now. I do, but they can't really come into consciousness still at the same time like they used to. Mm. And so the way they're playing that still feels a little divisive, even though they're working together. Like it has me feeling split emotions about it. But do you think if they start working together now and they can see each other now, it kind of turns into somewhat of a superpower that would be a little lame? No, I think that you need something like that strength in order to make sense in real life. How would they go up against figures like Price and White Rose? We had questioned that a few episodes back. It almost feels unrealistic that they could overcome and maybe each on their own, they couldn't, but they do have their own skill sets, Mr. Robot and Elliot. If they were to combine, not that it's a superpower, but maybe they're more able to be that leader that Price is telling them they need to be. We do get that explained to us a little more about these power players behind the scenes when Robot goes to see Tyrell and tells him his revised plan was insane. He tries to make Tyrell realize he is still a Dark Army puppet, and that's the only reason he's free. They still have work left for him to do. I think he does two things that I enjoyed to get Tyrell to come to this. First, he uses his own grandiose words against him. He tells him there are no deities. The richest men that toy with us is the closest thing to that. And that's kind of a slap in the face because that's what Tyrell was doing, almost worshiping this mission of Mr. Robots the whole time. 
Yeah, and it mirrors what Irving said to Mr. Robot two episodes ago. Yeah, it's the 1% that are actually gods pulling the strings. But he also starts to rile him up exactly the same way Joanna used to, where he's like ribbing him and digging Mm -hmm. at him. He even uses things that are close to Joanna's own words. And it works. It gets Tyrell to light a fire under his ass. He almost starts to beat up Mr. Robot until they're interrupted by the doorbell ringing and it's Price. I don't know if I've stated this enough in the past because Price is such a character that we're supposed to hate, but Michael Christopher plays this character so well. The way he uses his words and the tone, the older man, the wise old man, who's kind of an asshole. I don't know. He just delivers these lines so well. And I think specifically in these scenes, it really holds water. Yeah, I remember some people criticizing that early on, I think season one, saying that he was overacting the part, his speech cadence was a bit overblown. I disagree. I definitely think he's one of few characters that actually does get emotional. We have all of these cerebral characters And there's so much intellectualizing going on. It's almost a breath of fresh air to see Tyrell snap and start to beat somebody up or Price just lose it on White Rose. I think it's a needed element to the storyline. Meanwhile, at the Fun Society building, Elliot muses to Darlene that they are coming full circle. They started things here and they're going to end it now. He shows Darlene the email from Trent and explains if they can find the keys, they can retrieve all the E-Corp data. So this is where we get his plan, which we knew is to undo everything. But Darlene also warns this isn't like before with Angela, where they just put the femme to sell in to get around the FBI. This is Sentinel, the Fort Knox of closed networks. And likewise, Elliot tells her she can't use her contacts this time. The Dark Army owns the FBI. So they're both going to have to think of ways to get around this. And Darlene wonders the same thing we've been saying. If they can even do it, will it change anything? What's their main goal? Is their purpose to go back to the way things were before? Is there a way to make society better? And Elliot says they can just start rebuilding. That's all they can do. So this scene kind of takes away from what I said earlier in this episode, thinking that Darlene got caught on purpose. It's part of their plan. And that's one way to infiltrate the FBI. You get the people in the FBI on guard with the fact that someone there is working for the Dark Army. But this scene says otherwise. I still feel like Darlene was feeling it out. That's why the whole charade that night. At first, she was trying to just scan her card, but couldn't, right? Then she got to really get to know Dom. And I think she figured out that Dom isn't the bad guy. She isn't part of the FBI that's working for him. So her last ditch effort was to sneak in and steal the card, right? That didn't work. Once she was caught, she knew she could drop that bomb and cause a fire in the FBI. Yeah, I kept saying it felt like she was improvising as she went along. Her big thing was to steal the information from Dom when she was talking to Elliot. That's what she was trying to say. She only has one in left, Mm -hmm. and that's Dom. She's been working this relationship for a long time, and I think she felt confident she could social engineer Dom She knew enough about her to exploit her weaknesses and get what she wanted. And every time her plan was foiled, she had to sort of start changing it on the fly. It felt like her being taken into the FBI was never meant to happen Mm -hmm. to me. And I wondered if Elliot would agree with that plan to just dump the info on her as a Hail Mary and say, this isn't what you guys want either, is it? Because she doesn't know who the Dark Army agent is at this point. It was kind of nice 
to see them back in fun society. But I kept wondering to myself, how is that still open? Wouldn't they close that down if that was ground zero of one of the biggest hacks? Yeah, you would think so. I mean, I think the building itself was closed down. It's not open and functioning, but it's not exactly locked up there's with still red le- tape or anything. Yeah, and there's still electricity. You know, if you don't pay your electric bill, they shut it off. Yeah, I think I remember <laughs> from season one, though, somehow they were getting around that on their own oh, okay. to begin with, F Society. But yeah, it is a little bizarre. Also, it was a little sad because it's just the two of them. Mm. now and it, and that again goes back to the conversation with Mr. Robot where are the followers this revolution has kind of turned into the Elliot show and they're more and more realizing that it really is the dark army and specifically white rose that they have to target so next we get this scene where Irving takes a woman for a test drive when the car's onboard computer pulls it to the side of the road and Elliot gets in I called on star and the cops are on their way so we don't have much time. I need you to set a meet. Look, kid, I already told you we're done. Stage three. What the fuck is stage three? Just do what you do and set the meet with White Rose. Since when do I take orders from you? If you don't move on this, it'll be on you to tell your employer why you fucked with their timeline. I really like this scene because it put Irving on tilt. Elliot pulls the move that Irving pulled when we were first introduced to him. By using OnStar to mm-hmm. shut the, the car down, which was very cool. He comes in and he's the confident Elliot that we used to know. And for the first time in a long time, he gets the ball rolling on his own accord the way he wants it to roll. Well, he tries, at True. least. We'll get to that. He never actually has the meeting with White Rose, but the message gets through. What were they covering? Were they covering the microphones in the car? Oh, I don't know. I, I didn't really so. get says, a good look at that. Yeah, he says, you know what to do. If that car has OnStar and it's been deemed stolen, and there's a microphone, I'm sure OnStar would listen in, right? Yeah, they have the ability to do that, so that could be. When we come back over to Darlene arranging the meeting with Dom at the bar, we see she tries to scan her FBI ID badge. She's playing for time. She tells Dom White Rose was behind everything. But after fleeing to the bathroom to check, Darlene sees the scan failed. No badge numbers found, it says. So she has to start manipulating Dom? Just through her words, without actually telling her anything, she gives her this sad backstory on what she's had to go through. And weirdly enough, Dom seems to fall for it and asks Darlene to stay for another drink. This is the part that kind of felt weird to me, that Dom is so smart and on top of things. She has been wary of Darlene as the confidential informant. And it's because she knows Darlene's been keeping things from her. So I don't know if she thought this was the truth that Darlene finally spilled it, and thus maybe she could trust her a little more. Uh, Darlene definitely is exploiting her weaknesses of feeling lonely and isolated without any friends. She knows that's the button to push. But the reaction from Dom just felt a little over to me from this scene in the bar right into when they go to the apartment. Yeah, it can be argued that Dom is too smart to fall for this. But it's not beyond the realm of possibility that she's so lonely, she's so broken. If you remember those scenes with her when we were getting introduced to Dominique, she talks to Alexa like it's her friend. Mm -hmm. She talks on the internet to strangers and gets off on that. She is super lonely. And even in the FBI now, she feels like a lone wolf. And she's still human, right? And and so we, we have been suspect that she's possibly developing feelings for Darlene over the course of the seasons, not just as her informant. And that comes to fruition here. But they break it here. We go back to Elliot and Angela for a little while. They're on the streets. We get another reminder of the curfew with times now from 9 p.m. to 4 a.m. 
Do you think that's going to have an impact? Why do we keep hearing about that over and over again? That's a good question. Isn't SML just reminding us that the world is still kind of in turmoil or is it setting up something? Yeah, it's weird. We do get all of the shots of things that are going on, the garbage piling up in the streets, everything people are dealing with. But it seems like we come back, we almost harp on those messages about curfew. And I wonder if the time frame is going to feed into plotline later on. And Angela shows Elliot a newspaper with the headline, Tyrell named CTO of E-Corp. We paused it so we could get some of the wording on the article. It was still really hard to read. What we got was murderer, terrorist, hostage, hero. The world has it written wrong and Tyrell is here to rewrite history. After months in captivity, dot, 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 remarkable turnaround, dot, 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 redeemed victim. I'm very curious and we're not going to find out. But I'm very curious on how Evil Corp was able to manipulate mm. all of the charges to make it look like he was actually, in fact, not guilty. We've seen they have their ways of doing this. And I can imagine the Dark Army storyline behind Trenton Mobley had a lot to do with feeding it. But of course, this says something different to Angela than it does to us. She tells Elliot it's proof that it's finally happening. We're going back to the way that things should be. This is very strange. Another one of those bizarre Angela statements. Is it just her descending into madness? Where do they come from? If it's just her psychologically cracking up, we could say she's looking for indicators that the world has returned to its former state. And that would mean E-Corp in power and functioning, somebody like Tyrell behind the driver's seat. But she seems to be implying it's something bigger. When she tells Elliot she can't explain to him what that means, only White Rose can, Elliot certainly believes she's just cracked up and says White Rose has manipulated her. Then they have this strange bit of dialogue. Angela, I thought you wanted your parents back. Elliot, that's never going to happen. Angela, that's because you don't understand. There are people trying to stop this. So right now, Sam Esmel is narrating it towards the fact that she has cracked up. There's no more questioning it for us, right? But there's a lot of people that pointed out, when we went to the flashback of her as a child, it's the same actress who played that girl last season when she was with White Rose. Mm-hmm. You remember with the old school computers in that dark room, that yep. weird room? And that kid that came in. So in fact, that was her as a child. Is this something that's magical that we don't know about? Or was she drugged? What's, what's the real answer here? I know. People that are trying to explain that away kind of have to go way out there and add all this stuff in that we don't know in order to rationalize how that could be happening, such as White Rose set up this whole room elaborately to look like another time so that it would bug her out, hmm. found a girl, a child who looked like Angela did when she was younger to bring her in and trick Angela. I mean, that's just going really far out there. I wouldn't put it past White Rose to do that. But I also don't think it's anywhere near the simplest explanation. While something sci-fi or magical is pretty far-fetched also, it is kind of the more straight read Mm. from that scene. So at this point in the episode, I was kind of hoping maybe Angela has a point And she's going to find a way to explain that to Elliot. It's not all just craziness. But of course, we go right from that to the two of them getting back to Elliot's apartment where they find Leon. And Angela just starts descending into rambling these paranoid thoughts. She's convinced Elliot's trying to trick her to get information out of her and ultimately stop White Rose's plans. 
So she finally leaves. Well, I once again felt really good seeing Leon on the couch. There's something about his character. I like him. I love his character. I even feel like Sam Asimov loves his character so much that he's just trying to find places to put him. Oh, yeah. He didn't have to be in this scene. But he knows that we all really dig it when he's on scene. So, yeah, make him be the guy that takes Elliot to the meeting. He's kind of turning into the transport man, right? He just kind of brings people to and fro. Yeah, well, I guess that's his job, right? He does anything that needs to be done, Mm -hmm. even be a taxi guy. Maybe he even does shopping for White Rose. Maybe he does the Christmas shopping. (laughs) I bet you he does. White Rose doesn't have time to go out and go shopping herself, right? She doesn't have time for anything. That's not on her strict plan. You know what she does have time for, though? To shop on Amazon. (laughs) And this Christmas season, that's all you guys need to do. Go to our website, coffeeclatchcrew.com, click on the Support Us button, and then click on Amazon. And what it does is it takes you directly to the official Amazon website, and you can do all the Christmas shopping you need there. It won't cost you any more money. It just lets Amazon know that you came from our podcast, and they throw us a little bit of cash. It's just a few extra clicks, and in fact, once you do it the first time, you can just bookmark once you get to the landing page of Amazon, and now anytime you go back there, it will show up that you've come from Coffee Clatch Crew. One simple step for you that would help us out tremendously here. So you don't need a Leon in your life. You just need us. Use our website to go to Amazon.com, and you'll know that this holiday season, you're supporting your favorite website. You know what to do. While you're on the website, if you are looking for some last-minute gifts, be sure to check out our gear page. We have t-shirts, short-sleeve and long-sleeve, hoodies, hats, coffee mugs. I know for me, I was looking for just that second gift, that additional thing to get somebody. And I thought, oh, for my coworkers, coffee mug, perfect. For my nephew who's at that age that I have no idea what to buy him, a hat. This all works. It's so easy. I can just go get all the gifts at one time. And I love these baseball hats. They're real legit hats. They're embroidered and everything. It says Clatch Nation on the front, and on the side it has the Clatch Nation flag embroidered. You can get it in a lot of colors. I'm wearing it all the time. I'm actually going to buy another one because I'm wearing it out. Yeah, and this is great if you know the person's a fan of a certain show. We have Game of Thrones, Westworld... Sherlock, or you could always just go with the regular Clatch Nation Coffee Clatch Crew branded items. Check it out. We've got everything covered for this holiday season. Well, back to the episode. We have another scene with Price, Tyrell, and Robot. I felt it was important to share with you formally that this CTO title is nothing more than that. You are a mere figurehead I inherited from a deal gone wrong. Obedience will be your only task at my company, he tells him. And this is kind of where I got the idea that he's taking his shit out from the interaction with White Rose on Tyrell, because that's everything Price just told him. You were only a figurehead. You were placed here as part of this deal to accomplish my ends, to protect my plant. And all you had to do is do what you're told. And that also involves finding your replacement and making that happen. So he goes to Tyrell and pulls the same shit. He looks like the big man who's putting Tyrell in his place. You're just a puppet. All you have to do is do your job. Well, maybe. Something tells me that Price does that with everybody. He's that kind of an asshole. (laughs) Yeah. But he's definitely using him as one of the chess pieces for his next move that he's going to do. He's rebuilding just like Elliot and what's left of the F Society. You know, he's saying all we can do right now is rebuild. That's what Price is doing. 
he has lost that battle. He has to regain his troops, set it up, and hopefully get back at White Rose. Oh, that's what I mean. I think you're giving Price a lot of credit, and I'm willing to consider that as an option, but I don't know if he has any faith in Tyrell to support this vision of rebuilding E-Corp. Well, like you said, the faith is in the fact that he has his baby. Right. They can manipulate him. They can use the public image that's being put on him for sure. But you can also see where he's just trying to talk big and empower himself with his next statement. He says, Five nine. F society. You knew the entire time, didn't you? Five nine, yes. Well, not all the minutiae, of course. <laughs> but since the cyber bombings, the breadcrumbs haven't been that difficult to follow. World catastrophes like this, they aren't caused by lone wolves like you. They occur because men like me allow them. You just happen to stumble onto one of them. No, no, I ran the operation. I pushed the button. I am the one. There, there you go again. I, I, I. You're still thinking like a lone wolf. But again, this makes him sound like the orchestrator of all this. Mm -hmm. He planned for all this shit to go this way. It wasn't White Rose pulling his strings. Well, I didn't know all the minutia. <laughs> I allowed this world catastrophe. But it, it does kind of make sense to Mr. Robot. He tells him to think like a leader, not a lone wolf. Right away, and this might be because I'm just a friggin' Game of Thrones addict, <laughs> but I, it just made me think of last season. Their through line from their first trailer before the season started was, when winter comes and the white winds blow, the lone wolf dies, but the pack survives. So if I was Mr. Robot, that would remind me to not do this alone. I need Elliot on my side. I need everyone who's left of the F Society. I need Tyrell. I agree, and I thought of the same thing. I think something... Price is probably considering in his own head about the agenda he's been trying to inspire. And I think it's going to create some changes in the way Mr. Robot operates from now on. Well, let's come back to Dom. We're at her apartment. She is nervous and getting drunk. As we said, she seems to be letting her guard down. She even has this cutesy thing where she shows Darlene how much of a dork she is by asking Alexa for the daily 5-9 report. Which is so funny because the commercial break prior to that was an Alexa commercial that said, don't forget to ask Alexa for the Daily 5-9. It's pretty clever, um, a little cutesy. It's not unforgivable. You know, I can giggle at it. It's not too in your face, but um, I think Amazon's giving them a lot of money. It was kind of cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> and as much as I wasn't buying it completely, that Dom would be this blinded or this silly it did feel like a natural human moment where she wants to connect with Darlene and she's showing her, I'm just like anybody else. I'm a dork too. And she almost tries to seduce her by putting on this song, Angel from Montgomery. So they're flirting back and forth. And yet when Darlene actually goes in to make a move and kiss her, then Dom pulls back and hesitates. So it felt like she was getting caught up in the moment but when it started to become real, she stopped to think, wait a second, you're my informant. This is unprofessional. I shouldn't be doing this. And yet still, when Darlene pushes her a little bit, she allows herself to be swept up in the moment. Yet she doesn't completely lose all reason. 
She first pauses for a minute to put her gun and her badge in a safe. And Darlene certainly did not see that one coming. No, not at all. But Darlene was smart enough to pick up, I wouldn't have been able to do this, what buttons Dom was pressing. Mm -hmm. That's pretty impressive. But I didn't see it as a sign of Dom not trusting her. I think that's a daily habit. It is. It's We've a seen her do that, that before. She does. Before you take anything off, you got to put the gun and the badge away, locked away safe. I would agree with you, except for that hesitation, that moment where she pulled back and she's starting to think rational again. And then I think she kind of decides just to go with it because she likes Darlene, but there is still a part of her FBI brain working in the background. And, and that's what makes her sleep lightly, get out of bed later, go to find out what Darlene is doing. She doesn't 100% trust her. She needs, though, that human connection. So that scene ends with Dom discovering Darlene trying to break into her safe. That safe is pretty loud. You know, it's like beep, beep, beep. I was thinking that Darlene like, no has way. to know she's <laughs> going to hear those buttons. That's, there's just some things I think you have to overlook for the Dom and Darlene scenes to work. And I've kind of been saying that all season that Darlene feels a little bit like if I was in the writer's room when I'm editing a long thesis paper, I take a lot of time to go through everything. And then if there's one area that I know is not super important, I could save it to the end. I just kind of run through it and it doesn't quite flow as nicely as everything else. That's what the Darlene scenes have been feeling like. Although the result, I think, is going to be very important. Well, yes, but again, something we've been saying the whole time. In fact, since last season, what's going to happen with the FBI? When is Dom going to break out on her own? When is she going to go against Agent Santiago? And even up until the end of this episode, she doesn't. And she doesn't team up with Darlene, even though they're getting close. So that's an area I feel like the pacing feels it's, it's taking too long. They have to wait to match it with the rest of the plot line, but it's not quite syncing up for me. What I do love, as much as it hurts, is the next scene with Angela. I think Portia Doubleday is knocking this acting out of the park. The entire time we've been seeing Angela, there are moments where we get little cracks. She opens up, we see the emotion underneath. But for the most part, she's very calm, very put together. The way she has to act her scenes, her face is just sort of a mask. It's very placid. From last episode into this, she has to play somebody who's unraveling, mm-hmm. becoming unhinged. And I think she's doing great with it. This starts with her bolting about 10 locks <laughs> on her apartment door. We get the cute glimpse of the hang in there kitty poster. There's pictures all over her walls. I don't know what those are. They definitely weren't there before. No. This is part of whatever craziness she's devolved into. She ignores a call from her father which I think is definitely going to be important later. They wouldn't have shown us that so carefully if not. And seems to be talking to herself, saying, we have to get moving. We're not safe here. She has to know what they heard. She'll find us like before and protect us. And of course, she's talking about White Rose. Right. So a couple of questions here. Number one, who is she talking to? It could be herself. The end of the scene, we see her look at and take QWERTY. So then I said, is she talking to the fish this Uh, whole time, which is really nutty? (laughs) Or people have been wondering, is her psyche starting to split off now the way it did with Elliot? Is she creating her own Mr. Robot? And that's who she's talking to. And for a long time, there have been theories about Angela being similar 
to Elliot in some way, either just because of psychologically what she winds up going through and developing dissociative identity disorder, or if there's some more sci-fi tech thing going on, if Angela is programmed the same way Elliot is programmed, that's why the two of them are quote-unquote special, and if they're being used. Another thing, I don't know if you noticed, we've been talking about the scenes and the play on color. The apartment now appears to be, whether because of lighting or whatever else, all black and red on the inside. And we spoke about last episode when Elliot came to the door and was talking to her. His side was black and red. Her side was black and she was wearing all white. So for her to now be mirroring the Elliot colors is just perhaps maybe another artistic connection Esmail is trying to make. Well, and finally, we see her outside pushing her things down the street. We said looking disheveled, homeless, crazy, when a van actually does pull up for her, just like she said. I don't understand her pushing things looking homeless. Like, th- I don't get that. What was her goal with that? Well, it sounds like she knew this wasn't all just nutty talk. If we go out there... This is part of the plan. The Dark Army White Rose will come and collect us and take us and keep us safe. So she took all of her most valued stuff, I guess, Mm -hmm. and just waited to be found. But this is going to lead. If we don't get this scene in the finale, I'm really going to freak out. One of the scenes I loved best from this whole show was that of Angela with White Rose. And I'm feeling another one brewing for the finale. So I'm very eager to see that. In the next scene... Leon takes Elliot to this rooftop meeting and leaves him with a man who escorts him to White Rose's lieutenant. Now, I have to admit, we made a mistake here. When we put up our clatcher poll for most valuable hacker, we listed White Rose and Dr. Wang. Because when Leon's bringing Elliot up, he says, I'm going to bring you to a man named Dr. Wang. And then in the next scene, we see him with that lieutenant guy. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, we're finally getting a name for this guy, for Grant. Wasn't until later when we looked it up on IMDb. That was just the first guy yeah. that was downstairs for about two seconds. I don't know why we get a name for him and not this other very important character all season long we've been seeing. But anyhow, sorry for that. We'll just keep calling him the lieutenant. He wants information from Elliot about stage three. He says the first time they met to discuss the E-Corp pack, Elliot said it was a two-stage plan. So what is this? But Elliot won't tell him anything. He says he needs to talk to White Rose directly. He also states his issues with it. E-Corp's entire existence relies on E-Coin, which didn't exist when they came up with this plan. So if they really want to take them down, they have to destroy E-Coin. And this is when we noticed that the Dark Army was, in fact, copying all the files off of Elliot's computer. Mm -hmm. And I knew right away Elliot's planting a virus where he can get into the system some kind of exploit yeah and i thought i was onto something because i didn't think that in this episode we'd find out that that was the truth Mm -hmm. so i thought i was like oh we got something we have a seed (laughs) but no well back with tyrell he gets drunk and admits mr robot was right everything they did was what they wanted he's a prisoner yet again tyrell is feeling very lost and depressed he has no purpose or mission no agency he needs some wood to chop (laughs) Well, you can see how maybe this relationship formed in the first place because we've had a lot of Mr. Robot going at Tyrell, chastising Tyrell this season. But here we see perhaps how he started to build him up when they first met. 
inspire him and give him that vision, make him feel empowered. He tells him, we can still use this CTO position. We'll get you in there when the time is right, we'll expose them. We can use it. You see how they operate in the shadows. You just settle in, smile, nod. When the time is right, we'll expose them. Do you get it now? E-Corp, there might as well be a front for them. White Rose, Price, their friends. They're the ones we need to take down. We just need a launching pad. A place to begin, dig in, find that vulnerability. And right away, Tyrell picks up on that and starts to move into action. He says the Dark Army has a man inside the FBI. And we know this is finally going to lead to Santiago coming into play somehow. So do you have any ideas on how Mr. Robot plans to use Tyrell being in the CTO position to get at White Rose and Price? Because I have no thoughts on this yet. No, not as of yet. I don't think we'll really figure that out until next season. It's stage four. Hmm. (laughs) Well, and speaking of the FBI, Dom questions Darlene in an interrogation room. She initially won't give up any information because she knows the FBI is in bed with the Dark Army. When Santiago demands to know why she's here, Dom admits to the relationship she engaged in with Darlene and explains how Darlene tried to hack her. By the way, they knew she was trying to get into Sentinel. How did they know that? Did she say that to Dom? That, I don't know. Because Dom, it was sort of a really brief thing, but she told Santiago that they knew that she was trying to get into Sentinel. And all we saw here was Darlene trying to take Dom's badge. Dom didn't know why she was doing that. So I think Darlene must have told her, but yet again, why is Darlene sharing that much? She didn't have to tell them that. And I think that's going to be a problem for Mr. Robot later. I think I have to watch that scene again because we must have missed something. Hmm. Well, and that's when she starts blurting everything out. She admits there are files in there that can decrypt the data and offer the solution to 5-9. They can fix everything. So aside, Dom presses Santiago, she's right. Why don't they just do this? If there's a way to undo everything, they should go with it. And of course, Santiago reacts like he normally does. He puts her off again, says he's reassigning Darlene to another agent. I would like to say Dom has the full realization that Santiago is not just inept or doesn't want to deal with her, but he's actually dirty. Yeah. But I'm remiss because we've been saying that for so long now that I'm not sure. So we'll see where that goes. If Dom did kind of finally come to that realization, what she'll do about it. It certainly unhinged Santiago. And that was kind of fun to see in a sadistic way. He later freaks out on the phone with Irving saying, Darlene sounds like she knows everything. Mm -hmm. So it sucks for us that he went to Irving. Irving's such a fixer man. If Santiago would have just freaked out on his own for a little bit, he might have made some mistakes. Yeah, and it's also freaking me out because Irving's asking, well, where is she now? Mm -hmm. In my head, okay, he's going to take her out. We have two major threats of that here, right? We have that possibility for Darlene, and we have later the conversation with White Rose and the lieutenant saying it's time for Elliot to die too. So really major stakes for two of our big characters coming out of the penultimate episode here. And let's talk about that scene. One of my favorites. You know I love anytime B.D. Wong is on scene, but especially here is White Rose. We spoke about how this is the first time we've seen her in the White Rose persona this season. 
She's talking to her lieutenant very upset. It's been a month and her project still has not shipped to the Congo. Border security across the eastern seaboard is restricted at an unprecedented level. The country is operating under martial law. Their contacts are afraid. So none of this is going along that seamless plan White Rose hoped it would. And when she pushes for some honesty, the lieutenant really gives it to her and says this is all her fault because she indulges Elliot's whims. They had the UN vote. The attacks weren't necessary. They didn't have to do all of this. But she explains to him, they did. The only currency men like Price understand is force. But of course, we know that's not entirely true. She had to put Price in his place, but part of this was her wanting revenge, her wanting to give him a little slap and tell him what's what. Because he had to ask twice. I love the woman playing crystal glasses in the background. It shows, one, the lifestyle that White Rose has, very elegant, very rich, but also... The sound of it could be portrayed as peaceful, but also it's that kind of sound that it depends on where you are mentally, because it it also added tension to the scene as White Rose got more and more angry. It was a bizarre sound. You're right that after a while, it sort of felt freaky Mm -hmm. to me. It was making me a little bit scared. And then at the end, when the lieutenant says he'll go back to their partners with a more persuasive argument, there's a transition sound. It almost sounds like sound waves coming at you. It's very intense. And this just goes back to Macquell, Sam Esmail, knowing how to bring in the auditory part <laughs> to inspire tone just as much as they're doing with the visual part. So speaking of Macquell, we got a Facebook from one of our clatchers at Letty Set Go telling us about his experience where he went to the Macquell show at the Roxy. This was really cool. I knew nothing about it. And he also had a video on YouTube that he took at the concert. It looked like a great environment, very different from what I'm used to because it was Matt Quayle and another person DJing the music, and then there was a drummer, and every so often there would be people with more traditional instruments. I've never been to a concert that just is like all digital, but it seemed awesome. He said it was the equivalent of an EDM show for Mr. Robot. He said it was really cool to have lots of the show's creators and fans in one room. They were rewarded with F Society masks later on. And also just some fun backstory about this. He heard about the show on the Digital After Show. And since he was in L.A., he knew he had to attend at the legendary Roxy Theater. And he says, quote, Being the fool I am, I joked to Sam Esmail and Emmy Rossum as they walked past the line that they couldn't come in because the show was sold out. They laughed. Then during a lull between songs, I shouted out, Play some DJ Mobley. That got a big laugh. And Mr. Quell replied, That's very sad. Oh, man, our Clatcher seems like a really funny dude. (laughs) I told him next time he should yell out, listen to the CKC podcast. I think uh, that would... Oh, yeah, (laughs) that's what they should have done. Yeah, he even jokingly says his only criticism, Mr. Esmail and the posse had their own private section. Not sure F Society would approve of that sort of class division. (laughs) (laughs) I thought of hacking my way in, but remembered I'm not Elliot. I love it. That's so great. If any of the Clatchers go to any events like this or have stories, let us know. We really enjoy reading these. And definitely check out the YouTube video because it sounds like you kind of have to see it. Back to White Rose. She is wondering about what stage three is. The lieutenant tells her Darlene is currently at the FBI saying there is a way to undo the hack. Their actions are incongruous. He says he doesn't think their target is E Corp anymore, but White Rose. They're on to them. The element of surprise is no longer there. They've already picked up on it. And when she asks 
what he would do. He says it's time Elliot died for them too. Just like his father. Oh, so dark. I think you were the one that said maybe last episode that Elliot is probably the only safe one that won't die. (laughs) I still believe that, but I think they're going to come after him. This is going to get intense. So what has Elliot been doing this whole time? We see a, a flashback to when Mr. Robot found the information on the computer before leaving that message on the mirror and what he was looking at on the computer. And this is a report for the audit of the status of the FBI Sentinel. It goes through a lot of information, some of which doesn't really seem relevant or important. Yeah, but we paused and you wrote every single one down. I did. Part of what was interesting, they were talking about the budget for this program. How at the time Sentinel 1.0 was deployed, the FBI reported that they'd taken $432 million of the 451 that was available for Sentinel and put it back into that. In 2012, their budget was increased from 451 to 551 million dollars. The increase was supposedly the result of operations and maintenance during that year. And yet again, in 2014, the FBI obligated 529 of the 551 million. You wonder why our taxes are so high. This is one thing. Right, but it seems like they were taking a lot of what was budgeted for that and actually utilizing it. However, below there's a little asterisk that the budgeted amounts did not include costs for two years of operation and maintenance. So they were doing something else with that, but you might ask what was going on with this. They were updating this program that we've been talking about to digitize the records, bug fixes, user interface updates, They were trying to identify these enhancements to make it better, supposedly. According to the FBI, the consolidation of these legacy systems would simplify the user experience and result in cost avoidance, basically just be a lot better. They were going to deploy a new version of it, but that's a lot of money for that. And there was also a little side note below that. Since the launch, they did an audit and most people they surveyed expressed positive things, but some had concerns about the impact Sentinel would have on the daily work activities that play a vital role in storage and management of evidence collected Mm. by the FBI. And to me, that seems like the weakness that Mr. Robot was looking for. That's right. There's a way in somehow within that. So I think that's what he was trying to find. And we know that the evidence that Mr. Robot is looking for is what they took from Romero. Exactly. But in the present, Elliot determines he doesn't need to know what Robot found out about any of that, about the Dark Army and White Rose, because he's done it. We said before, when the Dark Army scanned his computer and took all of that, it also took his exploit, which gives him full access to their management interface. He ends it by saying, and now I own the Dark Army. Oh, boy. So the fact that... Yeah, so the fact that White Rose knows about the FBI, and that possibly White Rose is now the target doesn't mean much to Elliot because he's got the other end of it. It's almost as if it was purposefully because White Rose is going to be paying attention over there and not paying attention to the fact that Elliot's inside their own system. Yeah, could be. I'm very curious to see how that turns out and what Elliot can do with that system. Like, how can he... Yeah, now that he found it, what's he going to do there, you know? So that wraps up our synopsis for 3.8. And of course, we only have one episode left for season three. Next week's 3.9, the finale. 
But even once we end Mr. Robot, Coffee Clatch Crew still has a lot of coverage and a lot of content coming at you in the near future. Starting with our free casts, we will be moving on to one of our more popular podcasts, which is The Magicians. We have Magic. We have Fantasy. And we maybe have Arjun Gupta back on the podcast, if he so chooses to bless us with his presence. The Magicians was really fun last season. Season two really amped it up. And based on the previews, season three is going to be even better. And the fact that you know what happens in the books, the things that are going to go down this year are very exciting. It seems like this is where it all happens. (laughs) This is what I've been waiting for. So if you're fans of fantasy, if you're still coming off that hole inside of you from no more Game of Thrones until next year and looking for something else to watch, maybe you haven't found this little sci-fi gem Now is the time to check it out. Yep. So we recapped season one and then went fully through season two. So you can check that out on the Coffee Clatch Crew Magicians channel. And don't forget to rate and review there. Yeah. And as another fun incentive to leave your ratings on iTunes, we announced last week the 100th reviewer for the Magicians channel specifically for Coffee Clatch Crew will receive a free item of CKC merchandise from us. So what we're going to do, because there is a little bit of a flaw there. Once we hit 100, we're going to choose a random person out of the 100. Yeah, so we didn't word that exactly right last time. Once we hit 100 reviews, we'll close down the raffle and pick one reviewer from that list to receive the merchandise. So don't fret. If you're number 68, you still have a chance. Still leave the review. Yeah, I'm sorry. I should have explained that better last time, but hopefully that clarifies it. So get on there for your opportunity. You can just look up Coffee Clatch Crew and then click on the Magicians page and leave your review there. Season three starts during the second week of January. So that means there's going to be a little bit of a lull. But don't worry, we also have our Patreon page where we have well over 24 hours of content for you to view. We have bonus episodes and movie reviews that are really enjoyable and can help fill that hole. The last movie we reviewed was Murder on the Orient Express. For December, we're going to have a holiday-themed movie. And heading into January, we're going to be covering the Doctor Who Christmas special. So if that sounds exciting, go check it out at patreon.com forward slash CKC podcast. Or just go to coffeeclatchcrew.com. We have a link there as well. And because it's the holidays, we have another promo there. If we get 300 or more $1 tiers, after a full month, everyone, no matter what tier you're on, will receive a bonus and movie review. Further, if we get 1,000 new $1 or more members, all tiers will always get a bonus and movie review cast. Yeah, so that's $1 or more, because I know $1 is the lowest level. If you're looking to sign up for the $5 that gets you the bonus episode or the 10 that gets you the movie, those all still get included in that list. Don't worry, you just pick the tier that works best for you. So there's a little more incentive. You know that you're helping us out. You're helping us continue to provide free content and to pay for our bandwidth costs. And if the army gets bigger, we'll be able to provide more for cheaper costs. And also you're giving us a little present. Merry Christmas to us. All right, that's the spiel. We're done with it. Let's move into our robot rating. Jason, for episode 3.8, what do you give stage three on a scale of one to 10 robots? My bot rating for this episode is 9.5. Good Lord. I really enjoyed it. You liked this episode that much? I did. It set it up for the final episode. It got me really excited. And I, unlike you, really enjoyed the jumping back and forth. Hmm. 
like I said before, I feel like we're getting some momentum. Elliot is getting a little bit of momentum. Maybe he can win this. Yeah, I always rate the episodes where they cut scenes like this a little lower. You know, midway through the Tyrell scene, we go back to Angela, and then we come back to the end of the Tyrell scene, and then the Mr. Robot. I don't always like that bouncing around. I do like the creating tension, but if anything, I prefer the way they did it in the one-shot episode or even the one after that. I sometimes like when they slow it down a little bit more. As I said, there were areas that I enjoyed, so I am going to go up a bit from my last episode, which I gave an 8.5. I'm going to give this one an 8.7. So you still really enjoyed it. I did, and more than the last one. So people leaving a review on our podcast don't say, CKC's pretty good, but that girl just doesn't seem to like this show. <laughs> well, we, we say before, six or above is a good score. I don't think we ever give Mr. Robot under an eight. At least not any time recently. Yeah, overall, I think Esmail has been killing it with season three. There were some parts of it that were a little bit clunky, but much better than season two. I can't wait to see where they go with the finale. One thing that I've been really enjoying with these episodes, and we talked about it last week, the fact that Sam Esmail seems to have his finger on the pulse of what's going on in America right now. And one thing for sure is this whole e-coin thing and the value and how much power e-corp is getting with the fact that e-coin being the main currency, this is really relevant to today because Bitcoin in real life is really making strides. Two weeks ago, the value of a single Bitcoin broke the $10,000 barrier for the first time. Over the weekend, the price nearly hit 12000 At the beginning of this year, it was less than $1,000. Wow. So if you had bought $100 in Bitcoin back in 2011 your investment would be worth nearly $4 million today. <laughs> Can you freaking believe that? Not really. I think I saw on the news last night that it's like 15000 now. And, oh, I didn't see that. Oh, and I knew about it years ago, and I should have bought some. <laughs> I hate myself right now. So again, maybe Sam Esmail is trying to tell us that he is a time traveler. <laughs> he knows all he knows about this. He knows the future. All right, well, on to MBH. Who is your most valuable hacker for this episode? We put up our poll, including Elliot and Mr. Robot, Darlene, Dom, and what should have read, White Rose and her lieutenant. Well, the results are in. In fourth place was White Rose and the lieutenant with only 12%. Third place was Dom with 15%. Second place was Darlene with 31%. And in first, Elliot and Mr. Robot with 42%. As always, thank you so much for being a part of the crew and joining us in this fun poll. If you haven't done so yet, just follow us on Twitter at CKC Podcast, and we have a poll up every week after every show. Kirk wrote in to say, I guess I should make a case for Darlene by pointing out the key role she is playing in getting the FBI to help target White Rose. But the reality is simply, I heart Carly. <laughs> Hashtag Team Darlene. Mojam said... And spoiler alert, it's between either Darlene or Dom. Darlene, if she'd planned to get caught on purpose in order to get Dom to finally realize the truth about the Dark Army's FBI mole Santiago. Or Dom could have also been playing Darlene, and we said the same thing. And that's why I couldn't go with either one, because I wasn't completely sure. At Philly Nut said, what an amazing performance by Carly Chaikin in this episode. I thought for sure she'd win. And she was coming in a close second. And Oren, oh my God, at BD Wong was lit. <laughs> it was amazing. Hashtag Mr. Robot. So I was back and forth with this one. Very difficult for me to choose. There's a few reasons. One is that I've used Elliot MBH. as my MVH for a lot. Me too. 
So I was remiss to use him again. But his last line in the show, and now I own the Dark Army, I mean, that's a walk-off, right? But what Darlene has done, as far as the FBI, and hopefully Dom picks up on this and she's able to figure out what's going on. Yeah, but was it totally planned? Was this something her and Elliot are in on together? There's still so many questions that I couldn't, until I know, give it to her. I, I don't, it just felt weird. So I guess I'm going to go with Elliot this time. I'll go with a safe bet. <laughs> he seems like the one that's actually done something that really puts the ball on our court. Yeah, well, and also I gave it to Elliot because of the team up. Elliot, Mr. Robot. So Elliot was advancing forward, figuring out how to hack the FBI. Mr. Robot was having the meeting with Price, trying to inspire Tyrell, coming at it from that angle. Together, I thought they did the most this time. So coming out of this episode, we had our top questions. Where is Angela being taken? And is there a reason for her madness? What was her relationship with Price? Is White Rose unraveling a bit? Will her mission to move the plant go through? What exactly does the Sentinel report mean to Mr. Robot? How will they use Santiago? And is stage three plan now to ultimately return society to how it was before? Is this what Elliot has decided? So hopefully we'll have some of those answered in our season finale. We did get a preview, which we'll discuss here. If you're afraid of spoilers, we will see you next time. For everyone else, we saw for 3.9, Elliot saying, I should have never done this. I should have left it alone. I brought this on myself. Mm. Ooh, that sounds intense. Darlene is being kept in custody. And Robot says, you do this, they will have won. Oh boy. So it looks like Elliot may not have... Pulled it off quite the way he no, thought. <laughs> maybe not. And we don't see really much of anything about Angela. They're keeping that a secret. I think that's going to be a big reveal. Can't wait till we review our season three finale. We'd like to thank Songfinch for sponsoring this podcast. Songfinch has an amazing and unique product where they create an original song for you. Just give them the story, the memories, tell them what the tone is, the mood that you want to select and the genre, and in a week, they will produce you a one-of-a-kind radio-quality song. We can attest to that. Songfinch created a song for us. With the holidays just around the corner, time is almost up. You've bought your nieces the presents, you've bought your nephews the presents, but the last present you have to get is for someone really important, and you just don't know what to get. Songfinch.com is your answer. Make it a love song. Make it a friend song. Make it a holiday song. Make it a thank you song to your parents. Hey, make it I hate you song. Who knows? The possibilities are endless. And with Coffee Clatch Crew and Songfinch, you can get it for $20 off. Just go to songfinch.com, use promo code Clatchers. Use their amazing internet interface to cultivate your brand new song. And a professional musician will be there on the other end who will take all the ideas you've given from what genre of song, from male or female, from what memories you'd like in there. And they're going to cultivate a perfect ready for radio song for you. All you have to do is answer a couple of simple questions, and then you'll receive your original song. Not only that, you'll get a homepage on the website where you can listen along and read the lyrics. It's an easy way to share that gift with your family and friends. And once you get your song and you've given it to your loved one, let us know about it by tweeting at CKC Podcast and at Songfinch, the URL to your brand new song so that we can hear it too. Remember, go to songfinch.com, promo code Clatchers for $20 off. That's songfinch.com, promo code Clatchers. Till next week, 
This round's on me. This round is on me! Please hang up and try again.